Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me podcast. And today I am talking to a, a cross between a spitfire and a pit bull. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like now, that one. <laughs> Pocket Rocket Dynamite. She is um, one of the most <laughs> incredible women I've ever met in my life. Um, I'm only saying all those things because she's five foot nothing. That's and it. Uh, she'll take anyone on and stand at corner. She's a strong woman. And I love her dearly. Today I'm talking to Shelley Dalton. No, I'm not. Sorry, I've got married. I'm yeah. to Shelly Lyon. Hello, Shelly. Yeah. How are you Hello. doing? Hi, Stuart. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. And and as uh, diminutive as I am, you're at the other end of the <laughs> other end of the scale. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we make a good pair, don't we? When we we make a fantastic pair, but you just <laughs> don't want us to make a table. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm fantastic, Stuart. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, <laughs> In the middle of a, 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 a very, very crazy time. Um, but but through that, um, yeah. we are achieving new goals every day. That's it, of course. I knew nothing would stop you. Um, what I'll do um, for people like you're a, you, you know, you're a hairdresser, a long-standing hairdresser, but also you're a very, very well-respected educator as well. Um, and if you could... Take us back to like early doors when you know what what took you into hairdressing. Um, well, I was a, I was a very uh, you know uh, young young person. There was an absolutely fantastic salon in my home city, Norwich, um, and that salon was full of an, a real eclectic bunch of people. Um, it was the most diverse bunch of people that I've probably ever come across, even to this day in hairdressing. And I, I saw this, and um, it was in a, a place called the Royal Arcade in Norwich, which was all open fronted windows. And uh, people used to just flock outside to watch the hairdressers. And they were like the superstars, you know, of, uh, of the day. And but also, they were so unique. Each, each individual, you didn't have to be wild and way out, but you could be. And uh, I just had to be part of that. Hairdressing aside, I had to be part of it. Um, so I, I started getting my hair cut there when I was about 13. Um, it, it was expensive then to have your hair cut there. 
Um, and I begged them every single weekend. <laughs> Please give me a Saturday job. Just let me sweep the floor. <laughs> Please, I just need to be part of this. I was so. I, it's my first love. It was my first love affair. It was my yeah. first love affair with, with that establishment. Yeah. Uh, incredible. And the standards were high. And the yeah. people were good at their job. Uh, yeah. but, but they did it with such a uniqueness. That started my hairdressing career in 1985. Um, so oh. we are, I'm 50 tomorrow. Um, tomorrow? So, oh. Tomorrow. 50 <laughs> tomorrow. So milestone, thank you very much. Yeah. Milestone, 35 years in the industry. Smashing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was the, that was the beginning of my career, my first love affair um, with the industry. Really great partners that allowed me so much freedom. I think probably at the age of uh, seventeen or eighteen, they gave me my first fashion show to, uh, to 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 work on, and pretty much gave me a lot of the responsibility for putting everything oh, together. Right. Yeah, crazy. That's young for that, isn't it? That's, that's you know. Yeah, majorly, majorly. And, and, and to be fair, my colleagues with much more experience than me supported me, you know, and helped me to, 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 to make this great show. And interestingly enough, um, and it's a soft subject matter that we're going to talk about later, Stuart, but, you know, in that hair show, I would believe it's 1987, we had a, a complete, you know, section for Afro hair. Um, and yeah. I was, you know, it's fundamental for me to be part of that. Uh, yeah. And my best school friend, Alison, um, she was she was one of the models for us. Um, right. So she had been at school with me, uh, young young lady, black, um, we, we, you know. And um, and and that was my intro into, you know, doing a diverse community, fully inclusive, and I yeah. mean fully inclusive. Yeah. Yeah, and that set me up really for my future. And, and, and where did it where did it go after that? So after that, um, you left I, Norwich, didn't you? I did leave Norwich. I left Norwich and went to London. On uh, my first, so my first London job uh, was in in the West End, um, a great great establishment. Again, fully inclusive. Yeah. Um, so you know, all hair types catered for. So for yeah. me, it wasn't anything. Just that's what you do. Um, and uh, and had a, had a great time there working in the West End. Or a, a complete eye opener. When yeah. you come from a small town or city, even or town doesn't matter. Um, and you you're then introduced to a different standard. You think you're there. You think you're good. Yeah. And then yeah. you're introduced to this London standard. <laughs> oh. Okay, I thought I was okay at this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been hairdressing a few years by this time. Uh, yeah. I think I moved to London when I was about 24. Um, you know, so I've been hairdressing a while, and I thought, yeah, got this, nailed it, good. I was, good, I was really good in Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I entered yeah. the West End of London. Okay, let's uh, let's have another revisit. Um, I worked there, um, and then uh, after I worked in the salon for a while, I then went to work uh, with the very recently um, departed uh, Simon Forbes. So R.I.P. Simon. Oh, you worked for Antenna. I, I worked for Dome. Yeah, uh, actually, so on their on their sales, education, and marketing oh. side. Yeah, I worked with Simon. Um, he was incredible, wasn't he? He was he just was like, incredible influence. I went yeah. I went to Antenna uh, as yeah. a young hairdresser. Yeah. Um, and uh, just to visit, you know, you just used to go and visit. It's like it's like a, um, a pilgrimage, wasn't it? Like yeah. you have to go to. He, he must have got bothered by all these young hairdressers wanting to come and have a look. And Absolutely. so I remember they were very gracious. You know, they yeah. come in, come in, see what's what we're doing. And yeah, it's incredible. 
again very very inclusive you know um and so so i worked for for um for dome antenna um and then i uh i, I took a little break from hairdressing so to speak and and went just um i, I had another career alongside hairdressing which was i, I ran a dance management company um, which yeah. was one of the reasons I moved to London in the first place, because, you know, uh, Norwich is not the, uh, it now is really, really does well, but then it wasn't the epicentre of, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, entertainment industry. So I wanted to be more on the ball. So I then, I went, I went to work, uh, in London so I could be more in closer contact. And I started then working, uh, as a, uh, I think they call it an audience coordinator back in the day. On programs okay. like um, Hotel Babylon um, and and uh, programs that we what we would consider youth TV uh, back then, um, the word uh, so oh, wow. programs like yeah worked on those and and my job was to go round the clubs of London. You would have loved this, Stuart, <laughs> and find uh, find the most kind of. Uh, attractive or way out or different people and invite them to come along and be part of the audience. That was a right. job. Believe me, that wow. was a job. Yeah. And and then from that, I started doing hair for the people that were, you know, in the audience, making them look presentable for the TV. And so that yeah. led me into, if you like, being a session stylist. Um, yeah. yeah um, and, and, and that was, that was something I did for, you know, a, a good while. And then um, my friend uh, was working in a salon, and um, they needed holiday cover for someone. He said, do you want to come down just on the Saturday? And we were open Sunday. Come down. Off I went, and uh, I ended up working there and actually getting a partnership with the salon owner in the end. Yeah. Um, so then only my own salon in uh, Southfields and Wimbledon. Um, and uh, So that was great. Um, and a lot of my staff were either Australian or from New Zealand. Oh, um, right, yeah. Yeah, there's really a, a lot come over to London, aren't they? It's like an exchange, isn't it? Cause yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think uh, someone said to me, Sydney's full of Essex hairdressers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and real, really, um, you know, great, great skills, you know, and great work ethic. And, um, you know, just a brilliant thing to, sh- to, to share again with, you know, with, an, with another culture. So, um, whilst I was working at the salon, some, some, of the, uh, some of the hairdressers that were on the team, they wanted to go back to their, their home countries. That's absolutely, of course, normal. Um, and uh, I then decided, okay, I've, been, I've done lots, and now I'm a salon owner, but without the staff, well, it's, it's hard work. And I lived in Hackney, and my salon was in Southfields, which is near Wimbledon. Right. That's a schlep. That's a trek, isn't it? Yeah, that's a trek and a half. And um, so I saw this job for L'Oreal uh, in the paper, and I thought, well, someone's got to do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. get washed. And I had, yeah. you know, so I applied, and uh, lo and behold, I got the job. But, you know, and uh, I was absolutely thrilled, you know, to get the job. It's, it's if you don't work for yourself, in my opinion, then, then for me, it was like I can't do anything. It needs to be big. Uh, if yeah. I've got to go from working for myself to this big organisation, yeah. and um, yeah. yeah, I got the job. And my first job for L'Oreal was consumer advisory, which means right. you're dealing with angry people on the phone whose hair has gone wrong. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, so I'm really ready for the uh, the box kit clients that are coming back. Yeah, um, yeah. To us after Good COVID, <laughs> because uh, I've seen it all, heard it all. Uh, yeah. I know what consumers do with those products. I understand yeah. the products really, really well. 
Um, yeah. But in my career in L'Oreal, I then went, and I'll, I'll, I'll skip through this quite quickly because it's yeah. a 12-year career. So right. I went consumer advisory, technical consultant in the London Academy, um, product development technician, um, working with the labs and formulating all the new products that, for, for uh, the whole of the the brand. So that would include every brand that they own, which is significant. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they needed a technical hairdresser to take a brand called Mazani, um, which is a Afro-specific brand. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I did sales and education across the UK um, with one other colleague and a marketeer um, for, for about three or four years. And that led me into, you know, working with hairdressers from every background on every texture, um, yeah. which, which then um, kind of put me in a position where I had a really, really good understanding technically of hair um, of all, all types um, yeah. and obviously of, of, of hairdressing products and, and things like that. Um, so I then spent uh, my time at L'Oreal Absolutely epic career. I mean, yeah. at a really good time where money was no object. Yeah. So I was very yeah. fortunate to work all over Things the world. Things were very different then, weren't they? You know, like it was, you know. They were very different times, um, yeah. you know. And, uh, but to be fair, the journey, the journey there was, was, was amazing. But I think yeah. with anything, you reach a point where you, uh, you know, you reach a ceiling and you say, okay, what can I do now yeah. for this, this brand? Um, and they, I, I couldn't really see any further for me to go in terms of what I wanted as an individual yeah. and what they needed. Um, so I then set up a, uh, a hairdressing recruitment company that specialised oh, yeah. in um, introducing hairdressers that work on all textured hair. Um, yeah, hobo, wasn't it? Hobo recruitment, yeah. yeah and that yeah, stands yeah. for hairdressing, not hairdressers, of all uh, of black origin. What that means is that anybody that can handle you know, all textures of hair and um, that that was a journey and a half, um, for sure. Um, and 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 that brand um, led me to then be invited onto the advisory committee for City and Guilds um, yeah. to discuss what the industry needs with regard to the skills gap that we have, um, yeah. because they saw that I was looking to recruit and, and get young hairdressers to work on all hair types. Um, and, and, uh, and, and it was really passionate about it because I recognized that there was, was a gap there in the market. Um, if I'm honest, I really soon came to understand that when you run a recruitment consultancy, you have to make a provision um, of skilled workers and there wasn't enough people with the skill set to make the provision. So that led me into training. Okay, so what can I do about that? Not yeah. just give up, run away, and say, yeah. well, I'll just go and do something else. Um, okay, so now I need to tackle this problem, um, which which led me to education. Um, yeah. yeah, and the education side of it was, was absolutely fortunately and still is with City and Guilds. Um, yeah. So I'm very privileged to help them set standards um, write materials for them, so I'm a publisher yeah. for them, and uh, you work alongside them to make an improvement in what we offer. We aren't there. We aren't there in terms of making it perfect, but but we do okay. You're, yeah, and I think that you know I've I've you know I know you I know you really well personally, and I I know how much work you put into that. As some people wouldn't realise, but I, I know the the sort of the work and the struggles and. You know, we've often chatted about it. Um, mm -hmm. It's not been an easy thing, 
you know, like, and, but I, I, what I always admire about you is like, you don't stop until you know your stuff and you mm-hmm. get it right. And, and, and so the thing is, is you can be relied upon to be talking, you know, with authority, with anything, when it comes to anything like this. Um, uh, I, I really try, Stuart, because uh, I think at the end, and, and, and you know, we, we all learn by mistakes, and we, mm. but, but learning is a thing that we should never stop, no, mm. no matter what age you reach. Uh, I've just qualified recently, and I say recently, I think last year as a trichologist. You know, another yeah. journey for me, because that, that, that uh, desire to continue to learn and self-develop and improve myself at the end of the day, if it means to have a piece of paper, then that's that's good for me. Um, but but actually, you know, putting that work into progress um, and and studying and and making sure that what I'm saying is actually factually correct is is so important to me. It's so important. Yeah, and that's uh, that's what I respect because um, you know sometimes it is more about getting the paper and getting the knowledge. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm not. You know, not generally, but there is, you know, it does happen sometimes. But oh, absolutely. Um, it's got to be about the knowledge. It's got to be, you know, not the least I can do. It's absolute most I can do to get that, you know. And um, what stage was you at when we met? Because we, we met, we met on I, LinkedIn, didn't we? we? We did, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, probably I sent you a, you a message saying, yeah. I've read your profile, I've seen what you were about. I absolutely, you know, I'm always, always trying to... Um, surround myself with people that are a kindred spirits and, and I don't care if it's embarrassing um, for me to say well you look like the sort of person that you know I'd get on with and, and we could do some things together you know, we could yeah. make you know make a difference you know whether it be in the community in the hairdressing industry whatever that be if I see somebody that shares a common interest and common goals I, I feel duty bound to have to try and you know connect yeah. with them and so yeah I think we, we we did, and uh, we had a fantastic first meeting, Stuart, right? Yeah, because <laughs> then we decided to meet, um, and uh, we, we we met in Romford, uh, yeah. in in the uh, in like a shopping centre mall bit where mm-hmm. there was a, a cafe, mm-hmm. and we banged on so long that in the end they were sort of like you know flickering the lights off. <laughs> we had uh, we said we had like a lock in, didn't we? We were actually <laughs> locked in. We were actually, we had to ring security to get us out. <laughs> you let us out, please. We stay that welcome. Yeah. Because two it. people with like minds, you know, yeah. and, um, yeah, it was a different, I mean, when I think back, I was on a completely different journey at that point. A completely To what I am moment. now. Yeah. But then that's, this is what happens in life. But yeah. there must have been something really, um, a real connection there, because no matter what, how the, the journey changes, we've still got that connection anyway, you know. Indeed. Um, you know, I think like a mutual respect, you know, like, um, and a bit you of know, love you know, Stuart, Sorry to cut in there. But, on, you know, the important thing is, and what I say I reach out to like-minded people, you know, the, the point I was making earlier, it's never too late to learn. And, and if you don't, if you don't, um, if you like set yourself out to, to um, engage with people that, that you think that... Uh, and this is no, I'm not meaning this in a, in a negative way, but it can be beneficial to your life and, and that can be reciprocated. Um, mm. We all need a person to turn to. 
It doesn't matter how high you are. It doesn't matter how big you are. You all need a person to turn to. And look at, you know, finding those people in your, or, or including those people in your circle, for me, yeah. is so important because I know I've got someone to turn to, but I also yeah. know, in turn, that person can turn to me. And if yeah. I don't know someone, okay, that knows an answer to a question that might be posed to me, I will know someone that knows the answer. And, yeah. and I feel duty-bound to put those two people in, into contact with each other. I think, because um, I was going to then move to when we first worked together. Um, yeah. But before that, because you've, it's been such, listen to you so far, there's been such um, a, a theme going through everything that you've done about inclusion, mm-hmm. about people being uh, able to do any hair. Um, I must admit, uh, I'll always be 100% honest, you taught me a lot very quickly because even though I thought and, and this is what we tend to do. I thought I was pretty clued up about things and, and, and pretty inclusive, you know. The area I, of my business and the area I, I, I sort of grew up in, we there wasn't much or hardly any Afro hair. Mm-hmm. And it was segregation because, you know, you had then gradually the odd Afro hair salon would pop up. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I know it's not right, but I mean, I literally do remember, like, a black woman walking in the salon before, mm-hmm. and then us all looking at each other, going, well, I can't do it, I can't do it, mm-hmm. um, and thinking, it was still, still, like, naively thinking, it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Not thinking about yeah. how that woman felt, no. just thinking, well, sorry, I can't, we don't do that, you yeah. know. Yeah, you know, maybe you'd be better going to one of your salons, and I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm taking a chance. I'm taking a chance saying that, you know, but I will because I'll always be hundred percent honest. Yeah, and um, but it's it's not maliciousness. No, it's ignorance. It's Absolutely. being ignorant of the subject. And when someone like you came along and said to me, really, really, I grasped it straight away. Mm-hmm. The fact that all hairdressers must be able to do all hair. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I got from you. And then I really started to change. Um, uh, uh, and then, funny enough, my journey changed, and it, it led me to that anyway. Yeah. But it's so, so important. And, and, and I really, you know, you and I, you you more, much more than me, but have uh, really tried to champion this. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the six or seven years I've known you, mm-hmm. uh, this is not a new subject. No. You know, I know it's very really topical at the moment, but it's not a new subject. It's, we've been, there's been people trying to make this happen for a long time. For a very long time. And do you know what, Stuart, it's not a subject that's going to go away. Because with no. each next generation that's born, we're creating a new hair texture. And, 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 and it's our, we are duty-bound then to, to, to understand all it is. All it is, Stuart, and it's, it's a funny thing, but really, simplistically, understanding the curvature of the hair. What happens when the hair takes a certain form means structurally, inside, it's different. When you understand that, literally, you know what to do. Yeah. It, it's, it is really, in all honesty, that simple. Um, yeah. and, 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 but it, I don't think, uh, I think sometimes, and it's a conversation that I've had with a very learned colleague of mine recently, her name is Sandra Gittens. Um, and, um, you know, and she's a, she's a real leading authority. Um, and whatever she said, I would say, okay, that's the right thing to say then. Um, yeah. however, she's very gracious, um, and inclusive. Um, 
you know, and even the conversation that I have with Sandra, what do we call this hair? What do we call it? I call it hair classifications and type 4 hair because I feel more comfortable with that language because I'm not black yeah. and therefore I'm not racially stereotyping. She calls yeah. it Afro-Caribbean hair. But I don't yeah. know if those people come from Africa. And I don't want to ask. No. Okay? I don't want to yeah. ask. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I don't want to ask. But the important yeah. thing to me is I'm a hairdresser. What I am dealing with is your hair. Okay? And I don't, I'm not actually, although it's very important, the cultural significance of hair, extremely important. Um, the most important thing is being able to make somebody feel good about their hair. Okay? So, so fundamentally, yeah. politics and culture aside, understand the fibre that you are dealing with. Yeah. Talk in a language that's not going to cause offence to anybody. So for me, that's hair classifications. One straight, four excessively curly. I know yeah. that there's textures, textures, textures between one and four. The same as there is with hair colour. If yeah. you talk about a blonde, it doesn't yeah. go from, you know, seven to ten. It could go no. to thousands, <laughs> you know, but you need to be just aware of that. And, and I think having that language, not having that language barrier... It is yeah. really, really important, and that's why I've yeah. been a champion of hair classifications. And that's yeah. why, you know, um, being fully inclusive is so important to me yeah. um, in that when we teach hairdressing, we are not teaching young people for their geographic area. Like you say, I didn't have yeah. many black clients in my area. Yeah. But they're yeah. not, they're not going to stay in your area. They want to go on uh, a cruise ship, okay, yeah. because yeah. that's the one thing that they're always told. That's, that, that's going to yeah. be the carrot that's dangled. Well, I don't think you're going to do very well on a cruise ship that travels around the Caribbean. If you can't do all hair types. Type four hair. There you go. Okay? So, yeah, I've, uh, done, I've done it already. Look, I have to it's immediately change my language. There you go. So, so all it is is saying that if you want to teach yeah. these people to be hairdressers, yeah. you're not yeah. teaching them so that they can stay in Essex or Norwich or, or Luton no, for their exactly. whole life. You're teaching yeah. them the world. Stuart, you've been to America recently. Yeah. You know, you've worked in America. You know, you, yeah. you know the, the cultural diversities that we, uh, that we come yeah. across. You know, um, I forgot to mention one of my projects, the Curl Care Project, that I yeah. set up with Eugene and Selena Davis. Really important yeah. where we talk to foster carers, social workers, and young people. Okay, so, well, so some of those children, they don't know what their ethnic background is, so how can they say where they're from? So, yeah. so using hair classifications, again, really important. And, 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 okay, I'll, I'll mention this because I think it's relevant. Eugene Davis is half Native American Indian and half African, or from African yeah. heritage. Okay, so there you go. What, you yeah. know, what a diverse mixture of hair types. Uh, which <laughs> what creates, a man. <laughs> yeah, what a fantastic man. But what makes a completely unique, you know, hair classification? You know, yeah. prime example. Yeah. Um, so I think that that side of my work has been extremely important, and you know I, I'm always thankful for anyone that would listen to me yeah. banging on about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like I mean it'd be like see you have to realise the effect, and you have to take you have mm -hmm. to take responsibility for these things because it'd mm -hmm. be like if, the way I see it is if if you didn't like cutting and styling fine hair. Mm -hmm. You know, you know people who've got very fine hair, yeah. and you go it's like, and someone, this woman or a man walks in, you know, and says, "Oh, can I get my hair done?" And they go, "Oh no, your hair's very fine. No, we don't mm -hmm. do that. Sorry, you better find a, a fine salon." <laughs> you know, like yeah, I'm going to bring this up. Dream because of it. 
Well, I'll, I'll give you an example, another scenario. I worked, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll use racial stereotyping because she was happy to disclose. I worked right. for a lady from the job centre. We were trying right. to promote education for people that maybe have hairdressing qualified, um, but had lapsed from the industry and we wanted to draw them back out. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Which was great. So, so I worked with this young lady. She was Chinese. And, 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 and we had the conversation. She said, Hobo, what's that all about? And I said, well, it's about inclusivity. And she said, well, listen, I'm Chinese, and I went into a hair salon. She said, and I said, can, can I have a haircut, please? My hair is straight. Yeah. The hairdresser said, really sorry, I can't do your type of hair, okay, because <laughs> it's so straight that if I make a mistake, it will really show. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> she could not believe it. Okay, yeah. I could not believe it. So what I'm saying is, it's yeah. not exclusive to very curly hair. It's no, not exclusive. It's, yeah, it's, it's education. Fine. Thickness, texture, anything. You know, so it, it just means yeah. that we need to raise our yeah. game in education and exactly. make sure, yeah. you know, what most people go out into into the hairdressing industry with level two qualification. Okay, that yeah. makes them qualified as a hairdresser, but to me it's an intro. Okay, it's yeah. an intro to the industry. You need yeah. to then progress onto level three and then you need to you know, practice CPD, like yourself, continual professional development. Okay, exactly. that's down to an individual. Uh, down to an individual. What you learn, okay, you could learn to cook, um, and that could mean a boiled egg and it be soldiers, right? Or, or it could mean cordon bleu, and it's up to you how, you how much you choose to invest in that. And I think it's really important to appreciate that. I think, I think it's crucial, and it, and it yeah. must be, you know, a hairdresser does hair. I think yeah. that's the simplest thing. Yeah. Uh, a dentist doesn't, would doesn't, doesn't, yeah, be that's it. the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, don't do the back teeth. Yes, <laughs> that's Yeah. Right. Well, then, because then, uh, I was at, uh, my, my um, charity was in its very infancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very infancy. You saw the beginning of it with me. Because yeah. um, I started, I did my first Haircuts for Homeless session in November of 2014. Right. And I may have got it in, in wrong in my mind, but I'm sure it was early 2015 that you came along to Ilford. Because it was one of our, yeah, yeah. It was our second project. Yeah. Um, uh, and and you know we still was finding our way at that point. Uh, it okay. hadn't really, even, yeah, it hadn't even become a proper thing then. It was just you know people uh, coming and helping out and seeing what we could do. But well, tell us about you know how you found it at that time. Okay, so my first thing, and I, I and I say this to everybody, and it really makes me laugh because thirty mm. uh, odd years of hairdressing, and uh, we sat having a having a bit of breakfast, yeah, mm. and I said to you. I'm not worried about cutting air, but that's fine. I can do that. What do you talk about? Because you can't say to somebody that's homeless, you know, uh, what did you watch on telly last night? Have you booked your holiday? Started yeah. Christmas shopping yet? You yeah. know, hairdressing banter 101. Um, yeah. what, what do you do? And, and that made me more nervous than anything. Um, what do you talk about? And you, you really, really were brilliant there. Um, educated me on, okay, you wait for the client to talk to you and then, you know, and then you can progress with the conversation uh, based on what, what, what they've, what they've 
talk to you about, and, and that yeah. was so valuable. Oh my goodness, what a lesson! Um, so that was that was amazing. <clears throat> Again, reciprocal. I've taught you stuff. You've taught me stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and 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 we we did that one. That was a day session. That was okay. That went really well for me. And then I did the night session with you. And um, <laughs> I, I, night with Ilford. Night session at Ilford was is always quite something. <laughs> I was scared witless, and I'm not going to lie about that. Absolutely. <laughs> my husband came along. If you rightly remember. Yeah. Uh, who's been a who's been a a, a, a doorman for twenty odd, yeah. maybe more years. You know, yeah. he's, he's he's all right. He can handle himself. And uh, yeah, we needed it that night, didn't we? <laughs> we did need it that night, and I I was terrified. No, no, not going to lie, terrified. <laughs> and and at that juncture, I thought, do you know what? I have to be honest, and I think I was honest with you. You asked me no, to what? do the next one, and um, and I wanted to do it with all my heart. But my body wouldn't let me do it. I was sick and ill. I was literally physically sick and ill with the anxiety, yeah. um, nerves, and, and I just said, Stuart, so sorry. I'll do anything for you. I'll fundraise. I'll talk to people. I'll get you products. I, I will do everything. I cannot. Uh, it's, it's, it's the um, the, the uh, potential to put myself in a situation that could become violent that I couldn't do. Uh, yeah. And my and my history... Um, is, is is the reason. Um, yeah. So so uh, I don't know. I don't disclose this too much in the industry. It's not something I really routinely talk about. But you know, I've got post traumatic stress disorder. Um, yeah. I'm a survivor of the seventh July bombings, and actually, that was one of our early conversations. Um, I remember us talking about survival. You know, um, you're not a victim. Nobody's a victim. They're a survivor. No. Yeah, if you've lived through something, then you're a survivor, and I, I will never, ever call myself a victim. Um, I will always call myself, but, but part of my, you know, the, the trigger for me, um, it being in that vulnerable situation, to some people might not, might not, they might not understand, or I don't understand, it's got nothing to do with trains, and it's got nothing to do with terrorism, and it's got nothing to do with bombings. Um, it's just a trigger. Post-traumatic stress disorder, mental health, mm. it, 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 it sometimes rears its ugly head in, in the most obscure situations. And for me, unfortunately, that was one of them. Um, mm. and, I, and, and I'll just disclose this as well. Like, I've got four dogs and I literally, they're everything to me. I cannot walk my dogs on a beach. I'm too terrified. Mm. Um, and and that's a trigger because I'm scared something's gonna another dog's gonna come along and attack my dogs or perhaps they'll drown in the sea. Completely irrational, um, but it's something when you've got a mental health problem. This is why it's important to me to have understanding of mental health, and that's why haircuts for homeless is so dear to me because I really understand that literally one day you can be okay, one day you can be surviving. Okay, the next day you can be in a chasm that you just need to haul yourself out of. And it's hard work. Really hard work. Very much hard work on a daily, yeah. daily basis. You I mean, know this, Stuart. I know yeah. you don't talk about it as much, um, but you've told me about it. And if it's not too much, because mm -hmm. it, it, it astounds me that, mm -hmm. that, that what you... Because there's people saying they're, 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 they were involved in a certain event in time and history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would you tell us how involved you was? Because I think it, it, you know, it it it, it brings the relative. It's relative to yeah, it's, how traumatic it was mm -hmm. for you. 
Yeah, so I was in carriage one, um, which is the first carriage. That, so when they talk about carriage one, that's the, the carriage in which the, the, the bomb was exploded. I was six and a half foot away from the, uh, the, the guy that, that chose to take his own life on behalf of his cause. Um, and, 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 and again, he's a victim. He's a victim. Yeah. Okay, I'm a survivor. He's a victim. He's a victim of manipulation. He's a victim of exploitation. Um, he's a victim of all of those things because I don't see the people that forced him to do that. I don't see them doing it. They didn't do it. No, no, no. no. They send the underlings to do that. You know, the cowards. They're the cowards. You know, he was the victim. And, um, and, and every part of me will always empathize with the victim that he was and the survivor that I am in that I, oh my goodness, let's talk about how fortunate you could be to be six and a half foot away um, from, from a, you know, an explosion where, you know, many, many other people lost their lives on that day. 52 lost their lives in total, um, not necessarily in that carriage, but, you know, during those attacks on that day. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've often said to you, Stuart, and you, you, uh, the first conversation we had, you said, what's your legacy? Why, why the legacy, not what? Why the legacy? And I said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And you said, uh, why, why do you feel the need to build a legacy? I didn't realize I was, you know? And then I did realize I was. I did realize that I was building a legacy for the 52 people that never got the chance to step out into the world after that and, and make a difference, you know? And, and even though making a difference has always been at the heart of me, um, that drove me on. Let's not be hateful. Let's not, let's not, um, let's not be, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Islamophobic. Let's not, let's not hate. Let's, let's do something different. Let's do something to make a difference for, to, to people that, that, you know, uh, perhaps may become victims. Um, and people that, you know, don't have the opportunities that I have. Oh, my goodness. Just life itself is an opportunity. Breathing with all my limbs is an opportunity, you know. And, um, and, I, and I, you know, I'm so, so grateful for, for coming through that situation. It was terrifying. When people say I'm terrified, I seriously think, unless you've been in a situation, you know, that is terrifying, you, you underestimate. And I'm going to say this, and it might be very, very political right now, but when people use the word slavery, until you know and fully appreciate and understand what that is, mm. you, you shouldn't be using the word. Um, yeah. You know, and I've been subjected to, you know, funny, funny, you know, discussions in my time. But, but, but my, you know, um, my PTSD, um, it's something I live with, it's something I work with. It's, you know, I'm kind of proud of it in a way. I don't hide it because... Um, because, uh, you know, I'm ashamed of it. The only thing is that I have been guilty of is, is, is not wanting people to uh, be sorry for me, you know, and uh, give me the sympathy vote. So I've kind of stood up on my own two feet. And then once I've achieved, I can then disclose for me. And they say that, you know, being a survivor, you know, I didn't want that situation to be, you know, what it what it what I became, um, I didn't want to become a subject of, of that situation, but that situation obviously is always going to have a huge impact on my whole life moving forward. Um, okay. No shame in that whatsoever. Um, and, and the fact that I'm, I'm here now and ready to actually, you know, embrace the situation. I did have years of counseling, you know, hard work, hard work um, but very worth it 
you know. And, and, and prior to that, probably wasn't as empathetic. I would have said, oh, yeah, I'll write a counselling book. It's called Get Over It, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Pull you get over it. yeah, pull your socks up. Get over yeah. it. Are you not over this yet? No. Yeah. No. I'll never be over that because of the amount of people that died. I'll never be mm. over it. You know, it's disrespectful to be over it. Doesn't mean to say that it has to govern what I do in life. It just means to say that you know I, I I won't dismiss it and I won't be over it. And and you know the same can be said with with our with our friends and colleagues that are champions for Black Lives Matter. If that makes any sense to you, I'm not putting myself in the same bracket. I'm not no. making the equation that it's similar. But what I'm saying is I do empathise with that need to express why it's important. Mm. Yeah, and I think the most the thing I got from that, and to be honest, I just had to hold myself back there because my I found that really emotional listening to that my my, mm. my hairs are standing on end I tears in my eyes to, 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 you know what you said because it's so brave and it's so the thing the message I got from it sprung out from the middle of it was I don't hate uh-uh. I can't. and I think that is the thing please please people no matter what is going on the hate is divisive Oh. And and it's so it's so damaging. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always got to be come to the table and talk. Yeah. I understand where things have to, you know, like you know, people get to a point and they've got to, you know, they've got to rebel and they've, you know, they've got they're frustrated and stuff. But when it gets to the point where people don't talk and then they act and then yeah. they act on hate, mm. it's no good for anyone and, and it's upsetting. But I hate, you know, I just I said I hate to see it. Yeah. I, you know, I cannot stand it. I no. cannot stand it. Especially when it seemed to be the message of us coming through this yeah. awful virus that we all came together. Correct. And then it all got blasted apart. It's terrible again. enough, isn't it? It's terrible enough. Yeah. When is enough yeah. enough? It's terrible enough. You know, people are dying on a daily basis. You know, let's not forget that. And, yeah. and you know, and and with this virus, you know, it's it, it, you know, you need to treat things like that with with the respect that they you know deserve. And yeah. that, you know, and it is a, from a position of respect. And no matter what, think about what you say. You know, I very rarely open my mouth and say something without it being very carefully considered first. And I don't care if people think that I'm calculated because of that. I'm not. I'm thoughtful. I think about what I say and I think about what I do and I do think about my actions. I think about it really carefully because it's important to me. It's important to my family and it's important to everybody around me. You know, all of those people that have helped me get to where I am today... I don't want to insult them by making an off-the-cuff comment that could potentially cause everybody damage. Hmm. You know, and that's important to me. That's really important. I um, I thoroughly um, respect you as a human being. Thank you. Um, and I, um, you know, I think I think for someone to come through that and not be filled with bitterness and hate, but to be positive is a lesson to a lot of people. Um, and it carries on because, as you said, um, the triggers were were off. You couldn't help me in one way, but you've helped me so many ways, other ways yeah. with it. And it's the thing is, is it, when we've got these things and I've got, you know, I've had my issues that a lot of people know about. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, it's not, 
it's not making out they don't exist. It's coping the best way you can with them and then learning. And even with like my recovery and, you know, like yeah. it's, a, it's a daily thing. Yeah. You know, it's a daily. And, and I, I, I said something recently to someone that, um, that, you know, like to go for recovery, you, it, it's like you have to demolish the building. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's come from. But I think it's because they're building a house next door to me. But yeah, yeah. I, I visioned it as you've got to, firstly, you've got to demolish the building. Correct. And then you've got to put in strong foundations and then build it back up. Yeah. You know, and even though I'm 14 years, I think I've only just sort of cleared That's the foundations. Sure. I think yeah. I'm only on, like, I'm not even up to the first window yet. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's that, it's, it takes that amount of time, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it will never really the the chimneys will never go on because we run, we will run, run out of time because it's a lifelong process, and yeah. that's how serious people should take, you know, mental health, yeah. addiction, uh, all of these things that that because it's not uh, you cannot switch it on and switch it off. You absolutely can't. It's an ongoing process, uh, and mm-hmm. so anyone who does that and stays the right side of saying that you know I'll always take my hat off and it's as you said you you would not be defined as a victim Uh but there is also positives because the positive is it it, it pushes you in in a way to create things and that leads us on to you know what I I was really excited about um, last year Uh when you decided to phone me up yeah, <laughs> I think about the salon, and I thought, "Oh my god!" You know, I just, I just, <laughs> wrong person to ask. I just lost, <laughs> yeah. lost mine after thirty years. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but the minute you told me the concepts, I loved yeah. it. So yeah. t- tell us, tell us about, tell us about the concepts of the salon. Okay, so um, the salon is Hair Care Share CIC, and it's the CIC that's important, community interest co- company. And obviously, there is not a person on this planet that I won't say that this idea and this ideology wasn't. It didn't come from you. You sowed the seed in me. I realised I can't go out to the to, to the, the homeless shelters. I realised that I can't do that. But in my own territory, on my own turf, I can do that. Okay, um, so so hair care share is a community interest salon. We basically, I, what I decided to do, uh, you know, and I I, I run you about it and said this is what I want to do. So I, I raised a pay it forward scheme in my salon. So I have uh, I have commercial clients. They pay the cost of a haircut. Okay, and a cost of a haircut, and this is the business part of me. This is the part that people don't see. Okay, the part of me that don't see they see me as an educator but they don't see me as a person that works on numbers and I'm not brilliant at it but but I do enjoy it so the cost of a haircut is, is really the basis on what everyone should charge okay for, for you know understanding how much they need to turn over to make their business fruitful so so working out uh, what the cost of a haircut was um, and then asking people to pay rather than me having the profit um, making asking them to pay a little bit more than the cost um, and that I, we, this is pay it forward and this is something that's commonly practiced in America in restaurants, uh, yeah. you know, pizza parlors, things like that and now in the UK, cafes. So I'll go to Greg's and I'll, oh, well, name the brand, there you go, but I'll go yeah. to Greg's, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I thought I was on the BBC then, Stuart. Um, <laughs> I'll go to anything on here. I'll say anything on here, yeah. Uh, I'll go to Greg's, uh, I'll buy myself a coffee and I'll, 
give extra money or I'll buy a Greg's gift card and I'm sure that some of your uh, beneficiaries uh, for Haircuts are Homeless, they've experienced that and that's fantastic, you know, because what we don't want is to fuel their addiction and fuel their troubles, you know. So um, what I decided to do was launch this Pay It Forward scheme in the salon. Um, It's a not-for-profit, so basically uh, all the profits go back into the salon. Anybody that has their hair done that is able to pay can make a contribution to somebody else that is not able to pay. That doesn't mean to say that the person has to be homeless. It means to say that some people, so I do a group of student nurses, for instance, and this COVID thing, you've got loads of hairdressers saying, I want to do this. Of course, it's expensive, Stuart. You can't do this for free. You know, you need support. You need support of the community and you need support of the councils and you need support of product manufacturers, okay, to do this. So I'm not saying... Oh, yeah, you know, it's easy. It's not easy. Um, However, you know, what it means is that when a client comes and has their hair done, they feel better because they know that they're enabling that feeling of feeling great about their hair, which everybody that isn't a hairdresser that's out there now that's been desperate to have their hair done for for months. What a fantastic way to make them aware, okay, of this call to action of how did you feel? when you couldn't get your hair done for 10 weeks, how did you feel? How many people have said how bad they feel? They've resorted to cutting their own hair and making themselves look fairly silly, some of them. (laughs) Okay, but for some people, that's not a choice. That's a way of life, you know. And so I just wanted to address the balance and say, I know I'm a fairly good hairdresser, okay? And I know I could charge a fairly decent amount of money for my hair cuts and hairdressing and, and, yeah. and technical services. I've got a colour specialist degree of L'Oreal. Rah, rah, rah. Okay, yeah, I could do that. But that wasn't where my heart was. I, I'm really happy. Do you know what I'm happy, Stuart? Doing a free air cut of £5. You know, and one of my clients is uh, 98. You know, 98. She's obviously on a very restricted budget. Oh my goodness, to get her into my chair <laughs> and just yeah. to make her feel a million dollars. It's a such a privilege you know uh-huh. another one of my clients you know not not quite as, as mature as that um but totally isolated no friends she said to me will you be my friend i haven't got any uh-huh. wow uh-huh. broke my heart Stuart. of course i'll be your friend you come into yeah. my shop once a week have a cup of tea you know be with me be with my colleagues I don't care. So, so, so then I started taking volunteers, young people that, for, for for all sorts of reasons, didn't feel they could engage in education, uh, employment. Okay, they call it neat. Um, you know, uh, well, some of those people, uh, say for instance, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I, I'm fortunate that I'm able to battle my way through, and some people aren't. Okay, and they and so to have a job, you need to be reliable. You need to turn up every day. You need to turn up on time every day. Some people can't do that; can't manage it. But what they really want to do is be part of something. So then I, I, you know, engage with volunteers, young people that didn't have the opportunity. And their job in my establishment is to sit and talk to the people that don't that are isolated. Yeah. Because both of those people are isolated. I've got an absolutely beautiful young lady. She works, you know, alongside me as a volunteer. Abby, she's, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's had history herself. Um, and, and, and to be fair, she, you know, her job is to sit and chat to the clients, make them feel welcome. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously COVID is going to be challenging for us. 
um, to, to, to make those changes. But we will, of course, make those yeah. changes. We will, of course, have our young volunteers back. Um, and we will, of course, have our clients back, you know, beneficiary clients and benefactor clients. You know, benefactor clients. I love that. You like that? Yeah. Terms, yeah. Okay. So, so you know, and, and and nobody nobody gets a set appointment. You're not like oh, you can come in at three o'clock. You know, as in not three, but three. You know, no, no, no. Yeah. You, if you're sitting in the chair beside somebody else um, that isn't paying for their service, you need to understand that's the way this establishment works. If you don't like it, there's loads of other commercial salons that do things differently. You know, please, please, please feel free to 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 help them in their business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been I've been asked that. I was asked that. My, my, honestly, not going to lie, my favourite radio station, Radio Four. Now we yeah. come on and do it, do a conversation with us about raising prices. Yeah. Um, you know, after COVID, we well, were asking the wrong person. Um, I, I don't charge. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're all my head you know, up the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, um, you know what? Do I intend to increase my prices? No, because you can pay what you can afford. And if it's yeah. nothing, then that's what you that's what you pay. And you know what the great thing about that, Stuart, is I've had I've had you know beneficiary clients come in, and they've said this haircut is not for free. I'm going to come and help you paint your salon. I'm going to help you clean your salon. I'm going to help yeah. to promote your salon. I'm going to hand out leaflets. It gives them purpose. Yeah. I'm just uh, just now in the process. My long suffering and so much loved husband, you know, <laughs> is uh, currently in the sweltering heat, uh, converting the upper floor of the salon into an academy uh, where we uh-huh. where we can introduce more volunteers, more hairdressers. Maybe okay, let's go back on this political topic that nobody wants to talk about. Really, not honestly, uh, hand on heart. Okay, so so refugees that have come, you know, to the UK, they qualified hairdressers, but their qualification doesn't mean anything in the UK. No. Um, so they can't practice. Well, you can in my shop because yeah. you know we, we'll help you to get accredited prior learning. We'll help you to get the relevant qualification in the UK. We'll make sure your skills are absolutely on point with what we need in the UK. We'll yeah. make sure that you are state registered and a member of one of the hairdressing associations that helps you to be, you know, registered, whether that be freelance or whether that be in a salon, you know, and 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 it gives back. We, great, brilliant, and that that's. At the moment, I'm involved uh, in an application, and I'll say application, with uh, a project called LIST, and that's Local Investment in Future Talent. Um, and right. that's what the academy is for, is, is to find yeah, local people that need that step up. And it mm. doesn't need to say they've got to be hairdressers. If you mm. learn how to work as part of a team, if you learn how to get the bus in the morning, if you learn how to get dressed for work, yeah. if you learn that you can't be on your phone all day, if yeah. you learn um, that there's certain language that you can and can't use, and yeah. if you learn respect, okay, then oh. you're on your way. You're Amen. On your way. <laughs> yeah, you're on your way. And that's what we'll yeah. teach in my academy. Forget the yeah. hairdressing skills. They're secondary to yeah, me. Yeah. You know, I'm more than capable of putting someone through a qualification, and I actually do that also, working at City College Norwich as a, a yeah. professional lecturer. Yeah. You know, so I haven't stepped away from education. I still teach young people. I yeah. still teach young people with special educational needs. But I want to do something different where these people can't actually go to that organization because yeah. it's too much for them, too much for them. You might believe that these people are slackers and you might believe that these people don't want to do it. They do want to do it. They just need to be yeah. handled in the right way. And 
You know please, that. Please, Absolutely, you know please that. Please find out first. If you don't think... It's like, every, like so much is going on at the moment. Yeah. People are assuming so much. Oh, yeah. But they're not, yeah. they're not learning. They're not finding yeah. out. That's they're it. just judging, you know, like judging yeah. constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, as you said, the crucial thing you said there about um, refugees and things, there's people coming who yeah. have got, you know, very, very qualified. Mm-hmm. But because of their... Uh, it's not our qualification. They're not. They're, they're not know, what an asset! What an asset to lose. Yeah. When you know, with the help and guidance, they could be doing something so positive and so helpful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, harness that. Harness what we have here. Don't don't knock yeah. people back. Don't knock people down. Help them yeah. to grow, and your community will grow with it. I mean, you know, multiculturalism, oh, it's a conversation that I don't really want to have because I do believe that people's culture is learnt behaviour. Um, yeah. You know, and if you're born somewhere, then then you'll learn the behaviours of, of, of that background. Um, and, and I think it's really, really important for people to understand what their culture is and where it comes from. But it is learned behaviour. Of course. You know, and what you can learn, you can unlearn. Okay? And what you don't understand, you can learn. Um, so it doesn't mean to say that just because you don't share that, just because you're not from that background, that you don't have to understand it. You can't understand everything. You can't. But, but, but be engaged, be aware. But, but you can't, you can't change. I'm a, I'm, I'm a real advocate for change. Yeah. But you've got to know what you're changing to. There so you are. don't know that until you, until you find out what you're changing from yeah. and the destination where you need to go. You, you, yeah. you, you can't do that. You can't change for change's sake. It's got to be a um, positive change. So, and that's going to lead me right back to all circles, Stuart, into hair classifications. When you yeah. do any technical service or any service on the hair, right, when you start with your consultation, you need to know where you are and where you're yeah. going. What does your client want to achieve? And that's all it is in education and understanding. Where's your starting point? What do I need to do in order to achieve? Okay, put those, implement those things, good to go, done. And that is where everyone needs to be in life. Yeah. Because so many people are lost. Uh, I see it so much where people uh, are lost because they don't know, they, you know, they don't know where they're starting from, they don't know where they're going, and they don't. Yeah. So they obviously then don't know what they need yeah. to, to 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 change it to get there. And That's this it. is the thing, you know, you, 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 if we can only get that at an early age, this, you know, education at an early age of those things. Yeah, um, understanding crucial. what, what yeah. you're being given when you're given an education as well. Don't yeah. take it for granted. You know, I was no. terrible. I was terrible at school. Don't get me wrong. Oh my goodness, mm. I didn't appreciate it. And uh, you know, and now I love reading. I love learning. You know, mm. and I would say I've become an academic. You know, I'm not the sort of hairdresser. I'm not a naturally gifted hairdresser like some. Mm. There are some hairdressers that appear to have been born with a pair of scissors in their hands. Yeah, yeah. Right, and they just... Yeah, I know. And I've, I've seen it in fighting. I've seen it when, you know, yeah. boxing I like is the fighting. And, Football. You know, I've seen, I've seen you know, like you see someone walk in the gym and they yeah. literally are just, they're just a natural born fighter. They, yeah. <laughs> and you get other yeah. people who have, have worked their Learn. whole life Learn. on Learn. training and, and yeah. all of these things. And, yeah. you know, they, they just haven't got that instinct in them and you see that with creativity you see see kids yeah. coming into salons and, and just they're just got it some of them Look it's not to say that the other ones some are so gifted yeah. some, yeah. some are so not, you know but to, but to be fair not a topic but I know it's a topic that we've talked about and you've got we've got you know mutual friend Paul Hanford 
Um, yeah. You know, look at those people that engage in those sports and they don't have a plan B, you know. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm saying oh, is, oh. again, for you, yeah. it's about that plan, where you're going, what your journey is. Yeah. It's not easy to understand it, but at yeah. least have a... And, and that's the thing I would say. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it and I'm going to fly my own flag. That's what's made me successful. Um, diversification. Okay, I am presented with an obstacle. I will go round, over, under, whatever sh- way I have to go through, past, under, or over that, that obstacle, I will find a way. And I will diversify my career. It's not luck. It isn't luck. People say, oh, no. you're so lucky. It isn't <laughs> luck. But I'm lucky. I'm really lucky that I've got the tenacity to work my balls off. Yeah. You know, that's it. Hard work. Never been work Hard shy. Had my first job at 11. Mm. You know, because single parent family. Yeah. If you want sweets... You're going to have to pay for them yourself. I can't afford yeah. it. I can afford to put grub on the table. Okay, yeah. council house, single parent family. I can afford to put your food on the table. I cannot afford anything else. I'm really yeah. sorry. I love you. love you all my heart. But the best thing I can do for you is, is make your clothes well and your food well and, and the rest yeah. of it. If you want stuff, I got my yeah. first job with my brother. We cleaned boats. I did the inside and he did the outside. We lived yeah. on the Norfolk Broad. 11. Yeah. Wouldn't be allowed today. But no, no. Do you know what? I still have the character reference from the person that employed me, the Gillings family, and it was absolutely fantastic. When I went to get a job, because I was with the Gillings for, oh, God, four or five years, when I went to get my strategy job at Transformer, where I begged and begged, it got me through the door because they, they knew I was a grafter for yeah. sure. And that's, the, you know, important thing. Sometimes you have to take time out, Stuart, and stop working. Yeah. Um, but I, I love what I do. You love yeah. what you do. Yeah, I do, yeah. When you have love for what you do, it's no longer a job, is it? Oh, and I was waiting for the perfect ending, and then you just did it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That, I could not have wrapped it all up better, because oh. that is it. That is it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think it, it, it um, there's, a, there's a wonderful little poem by Spike Milligan about, you know, smiling is infectious, you know, and uh, yeah. love, is, love is as well. Yeah. Um, and it ha- has to be. It has to yeah. be. It's the only way to counterbalance um, everything else. But Shelley, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm really grateful for you sharing how you did. And um, you know, you, you, you're an incredible friend, and you are an inspiration. And um, I'm so uh, grateful for the opportunity, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> I don't, don't lay my soul bare for everybody, but if there's another man, you know, other than my husband, you know, you, you're there. You're there. You're in. You know. Thank you know. You. You're in the top, top, you. top tier there, and I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, I know I could talk the uh, hind legs off a very small donkey, you know. So, uh, thank you. Thank Thanks you. very much. Shelley, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.